1: Welcome to On The Rock, God's Unchanging Word for Changing Times with Dr. Camille Majdeli, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's Word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus.
0: Bible prophecy is a wonderful, edifying subject. And when it's fulfilled, it's even more so. In today's program, we're going to see this in operation as we continue to learn the Gospel of Matthew. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And we are learning chapter 11 of Matthew. We're seeing words of life, instruction to disciples, the deeper teaching of Christ, and now some insight into the ministry of John the Baptist, courtesy of Jesus himself. Just remember, John is the forerunner. He's pointing to Christ. Christ must increase, and John must decrease. But here the Savior is actually taking time to honor his forerunner. I mean, that's incredible, because usually when an incoming king arrives— He's not focusing on those that heralded his coming. He's focusing on his own coronation, induction, and then, of course, commencement of his reign. But Jesus honors those who honor God. And John, of course, is no exception. So we are going to learn a little bit more about John the Baptist through Jesus. And as always, in Matthew, we're seeing prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes. And so Jesus makes an interesting statement here. He talks about for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. That's Matthew chapter 11 and verse 13. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now our lesson is called Elijah has come, Matthew 11 verses 10 to 19. And I've just read to you from verses 13 to 15, Jesus is saying that John the Baptist is the Elijah that was prophesied. Now, he's not the literal Elijah of the days of Ahab and Jezebel. He's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's coming in a ministry that is going to bring breakthrough, will bring division, will separate the holy from the profane. But most importantly, he is coming to point to the Messiah. He will not just say the Messiah is coming. Remember, all the Old Testament prophets somehow, some way pointed to the coming of Jesus. But John is the only one that could not only point to the coming of Jesus, he saw Jesus with his own eyes. The others only saw him in faith. So John was very privileged, but of course, to whom much is given, much is required. So what we'll see here in our lesson called Elijah Has Come, Matthew eleven ten to 19 is that John is a fulfillment of prophecy, as mentioned in Malachi 3. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Jesus will talk about John the Baptist being the greatest of all people born of women. Then he'll go on to say something very intriguing that the person who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. This requires some explanation, which I shall provide shortly. He goes on to speak on some other terms about the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. This also does require some explanation. And then he talks about the prophet's, as well as the law, prophesied until the coming of John. They all offered pieces of the puzzle regarding Messiah and God's kingdom. How does God speak? Well, he spoke through the law and the prophets, but today he speaks through his son. He speaks through the apostles. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. And then we learn a little bit more about Elijah or John the Baptist coming with the mantle of Elijah, and Jesus giving the command, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. We learn about the metaphor of this generation, that they are out of sync with God, just as they think that Christ and John the Baptist are out of sync with them. And then, what do we learn from it all? Well, stay tuned as we explore this amazing, important passage from Matthew. To begin with, I want to read from Matthew 11, verses 10 to 19. The lesson is called, Elijah has come. And the reading, once again, Matthew 11, 10 to 19. Let's listen carefully, because this is God's word. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elijah's, which was for to come he that hath ears to hear let him hear but whereunto shall i liken this generation it is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying we have piped unto you and ye have not danced we have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented for john came neither eating nor drinking and they say he hath a devil The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Our passage is called, Elijah has come, and the reading has come from Matthew chapter 11, verses 10 to 19. Well, there's a lot to learn here, so let's get right into it. Elijah has come. This is John the Baptist. Prophecy fulfilled. Now, as Jesus was out and about in active ministry in Galilee, the disciples of John the Baptist came to him, querying, are you really the Christ? He answers their question by pointing out to his mighty works and saying, blessed is he, whoever he may be, who is not offended in me. In other words, I'm not your stumbling "'Block, I am your Savior. "'You are blessed when that is the case.'" After the disciples of John departed from him, he asked the multitude, "'What do they expect to see?' when they went out into the wilderness to meet John. True to form in Matthew's gospel, the works and words of Jesus are linked to Bible prophecy. In this verse we have a quote from Malachi 3, verse 1, uttered 400 years earlier before the coming of John. John was prophesied as the forerunner of the Messiah. And that's how we need to see him, and that's why he is so honored in the New Testament, and I believe in eternity as well. Jesus makes then this incredible statement regarding John. He says, Of them born of women, no one is greater than John the Baptist. Now, is Jesus actually saying, that the greatest person ever born of a woman was John the Baptist? It appears that's exactly what he's saying. Why is he saying this? I mean, there have been some amazing people throughout biblical history. Why is John the Baptist the greatest of those born of women? Well, you see, John's greatness comes from his singular calling, his ministry to the Messiah and pointing to the coming of Messiah, which we all needed so we could recognize the true Messiah from the many fake Messiahs that are out there. And John, of course, was a faithful forerunner who was predicted centuries before. So John is special. He's unique. He is faithful. He's doing us an inestimable service that really culminated at the baptism of Jesus, found in Matthew chapter 3. But then the Lord goes on to make this statement, which is a little puzzling. He says that of those born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Now, this may not be as stark as it sounds, but anyone who's in the kingdom of heaven has these Traits And it's not just limited to these alone. The least in the kingdom of heaven has been born again. They have been spiritually reborn, in other words. So they can see things that those that are women-born cannot. The least in the kingdom of heaven have been forgiven of all their sins, healed of their sicknesses, received the baptism and fullness of the Holy Spirit, are able to bear the fruit of the Spirit, as described in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. And, of course, there's even more beyond that. Kingdom living outstrips earthly living, hands down. Now, that's not to say that John isn't part of the kingdom or with God in eternity. We believe he is. But we only know John in that earthly sense, the forerunner, the baptizer. And as far as we know, John didn't even have a miracle ministry. Elijah did. Jesus did. But... As far as we know, he didn't. It was a miracle that so many people came to hear him preach. It's heavy-duty preaching. It's convicting preaching. And not only did they come to hear him, but they were queuing up to get baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, to me, that was a miracle, especially considering who came. In other words, unsavory people, soldiers, Romans, they, they all enjoyed and respected the ministry of John. Then we come to even a more puzzling verse, Matthew eleven twelve. It tells us, And from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now these are red letters, meaning Jesus spoke these words. We go from how wonderful John is, but he's least of the kingdom of heaven, and now we hear about violence. We're talking about the Prince of Peace here. And the Prince of Peace, as far as we know, never wielded a sword, never killed anybody, never did anything violent of any kind. What is he talking about? The violence of the kingdom. Not so easy to interpret, but one credible insight is this, involving the least of the kingdom. Now, who are the ones that are least in God's kingdom? Well, they would be the ones that were seemingly least in this world. Harlots, publicans, sinners. It's interesting, but the harlots, publicans, and sinners, when they perceived of the grace of God, when they saw the love of Jesus and the power of God flowing through His miracles and, and casting out devils and raising the dead, and that He gave them the time of day, He came to banquets where they were present and He didn't leave in a huff offended because they had somehow been in the same room as Him. No, He received them. He's the friend of sinners. When they and that's the least in the world perceived of the grace and love of God, they caused a stampede over the religious righteous who basically thought they were too high and holy for the harlots, the sinners, and the publicans. It's interesting the metaphors Paul uses about kingdom living, found in the joy epistle known as Philippians. Paul speaks about apprehending, In Philippians 3.12, he actually puts it this way. If I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Apprehending is what a policeman does when catching a criminal. Criminals don't normally walk up to the policeman and offer their wrists to be handcuffed. No, the police have to go after and, in a sense, violently overtake the offender. And then they handcuff them and draw them away. Paul goes on to talk about pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's in Philippians 3, verse 14. Apprehending, pressing, and so on are very, very assertive terms. Now, do we call them violent terms? Not necessarily, but they can be. Are we to, in that sense, seek God that would in the world look as violence? We're so intense, we're so focused, we're so zealous, so sold out that that's how we deal with God? Perhaps that is the best way to understand Matthew 11, verse 12. The violent take the kingdom by force. And in verse 13, it says, All the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now, the prophets and the law offered pieces of the puzzle regarding Messiah and God's kingdom. Perhaps even large pieces of the puzzle. We happen to be Psalm or the book of Isaiah. But then John came and he pulls all the pieces of the puzzle together. His baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River was the culmination of the law and the prophets with Jesus the Messiah being manifest before all Israel and the world. The prophets as we put it, also spoke of God and his very nature in various ways. But in the New Testament, the triune nature of God is present at the baptism of Jesus. You have Christ in the water. You have the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. You have Almighty God the Father speaking straight out of heaven. Amazing, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So now that Christ has come... He is God's spokesman. Let's hear the words of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So yes, in the previous time, Old Testament time, God spoke to the ancient people, by the prophets. But today, he speaks to us through his Son. And of course, the Son speaks in several ways, through the Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the Word, through the still, small voice in our hearts. But the good news is, God's sheep hear his voice. Verse 14, Elijah was a mighty man of God, whose light shined brightest, because his ministry occurred in one of Israel's darkest periods. During the reign of of Ahab and Jezebel, where Baal worship was almost virtually the state religion in the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, the second to the last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Here in the Gospel of Matthew, 400 years after Malachi, Jesus is plainly stating that John is the Elijah that was prophesied, meaning in the spirit and power of Elijah, not the literal man himself. Now, we believe Elijah makes an appearance in the New Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he does so with Moses. He possibly also may may make another New Testament appearance, unnamed, in the book of Revelation as one of the two witnesses, although this is only conjecture. Verse 15, a phrase used by Jesus repeatedly in the gospel, the truth of Christ and and the gospel should be so clear for any sincere soul to apprehend. If you are given ears to hear, then listen carefully. But the Holy Spirit is saying, but unfortunately many of Jesus' own people had ears, but they would not hear or believe. And then in verse 16 of Matthew 11, here's a metaphor of this generation. Jesus takes the focus off John the Baptist and unto the generation or race of his, presumably the ones who heard the message but did not listen. They are like children in the marketplace calling out to each other, meaning this was something done in public, not in private. And they are basically out of sync. Verse 17, we played music, but you didn't dance. We mourned and you didn't lament. You are irrelevant and out of sync with the culture, with the traditions, with the, the religious elite. You are in danger of being on the wrong side of history. How many times have we heard that phrase? The truly righteous will always be on the outer compared to the spirit of the world. And then verse 18 of Matthew eleven, John the Baptist lived a simple life, neither banqueting nor drinking like a fish, and because of his perceived asceticism, his critics said he had a demon. And then in Matthew eleven nineteen, our last verse, the Son of Man attends banquets where there is eating and drinking, and he's criticized for being a wine bibber, a glutton, a friend of publicans and sinners. What a scandal. Jesus and John, the two most righteous of their generation, of course, Jesus much more so, were going against the tide of the religious elite. At least they were in good company with the law and the prophets that preceded them. Yet wisdom will be vindicated by all that accept her invitation, as it says in Proverbs 8. Now, our lesson is called, Elijah has come. And our lesson for life is the principles of God's kingdom are so high and holy that we need the Holy Spirit to teach and empower us to fulfill them. Elijah did, and so can we. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. And also visit our homepage. Subscribe to the free Issachar Teaching e-letter so we can help you to become future-ready with great articles from the Bible, victorious living and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Christ that we're learning so much about you through your Word. And help us to apply these words, these words of life to our lives. Help us to get rid of every vestige of darkness and walk on the path of the just. And when we do, the light will only get brighter and brighter. In Jesus' name. Amen.